morning and welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Thursday, the 12th of January. My name is John T. Warris. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer. And coming up on today's show, we'll take a look at the fourth quarter earnings season that's about to kick off. We'll hear about the impact of China's reopening on the commodity market. And we'll also have an update from Julius Baer's first investment committee meeting of the year. But before all that, let me start us off with a brief overview of what's been happening in the markets. Yesterday saw global equity markets climb optimistically in the run-up to today's much-awaited key US inflation data, the latest consumer price index reading, which is due out later today. US Federal Reserve member Susan Collins has said that she's leaning towards supporting an interest rate hike of 0.25% at the central bank's next policy decision on the 1st of February. Collins, who is head of the Boston Fed, told the New York Times that slowing the pace of increases would give policymakers a chance to see how their efforts to rein in decades-high inflation were working. Staying in the US, US equities closed higher yesterday in relatively quiet trading, finishing near the top as the market added to the week's gains despite a shortage of meaningful catalysts. The S&P 500 climbed for a second straight session, extending its January advance by 1.3% with all of its 11 sectors returning a positive performance. Gains were led by real estate and consumer discretionary, along with tech stocks, which have suffered the most at the hands of the Fed's tightening efforts in recent months. In fixed income, US Treasuries were firmer with some curve flattening after yields saw some upward pressure on Tuesday. 10-year US Treasuries are down 0.6 basis points to 3.52, while the two-year was down by 0.3 bips to 4.21. US dollar was stronger on the yen cross, but weaker versus the euro. Over to Asia, where markets are trading higher this Thursday morning, with traders optimistic that a further softening of US inflation will give the Federal Reserve room to slow its pace of interest rate hikes. And this is buoying traders' appetite for risk-taking. The Australian ASX is up by over 1% this morning, while the Nikkei, Hang Seng, Kospi and Shanghai indices are largely in flat positive territory. Taking a brief look at rather uneventful commodities trading, Gold finished up 0.1% and Bitcoin futures were up 0.3%. In the oil market, however, WTI crude settled up 3% near its best levels of the day, despite a big US inventory build. This sees oil climbing for a sixth straight session ahead of today's CPI data, as China is ramping up its crude buying efforts before the Chinese New Year holidays. In terms of what we can expect for the day ahead, Later today at 2.30 p.m. Central European time, we will see the eagerly awaited and this time around quite pivotal consumer price index report, which should give investors some guidance on how the Fed is likely to proceed in terms of interest rate hikes going forward. A CPI print in line with or softer than expectations will likely result in a market rally, while a hotter number here could quite further dampen investor sentiment. Analysts are generally expecting the CPI report to have increased by 5.7 from a year earlier. A British supermarket chain Tesco and Austrian oil and gas firm OMV are among companies scheduled to report sales results or earnings today. And a brief look at the future board shows a sea of green this morning in both Europe and the US. And that's all from me for today. I'd now like to welcome Mathieu Racheté to the show, Head of Equity Strategy, who share with us his views on the fourth quarter company earnings season. Mathieu, the last quarter of 22 was pretty uneventful, all being told, with a highly anticipated year-end market rally that turned out to be pretty short-lived, which then fizzled out again in mid-December. What's this valuation reset that we're seeing in equities mean for the Q4 earnings season? 
Good morning, Jonti. As you mentioned, the Q4 earnings season in the US will officially kick off this Friday with some of the large US banks reporting results. We think this will be a crucial season because companies are not only updating us on the quarterly numbers, but will also give us formal guidance on their outlook for 2023. What are the current expectations? For the fourth quarter, analysts have reduced their earnings estimates quite remarkably ahead of the start of the Q4 earnings season to reflect the more challenging outlook. So if you look at the S&P 500, consensus is now expecting a decline in earnings of 4.7% compared to the same quarter in 2021. If we exclude the energy sector, which is driven by some special factors at this time, the number is even lower at minus 8.5%. So with those estimates in mind, we are less concerned about the Q4 numbers themselves because expectations are now low, which of course sets the bar also lower for the companies to surprise positively. But having said that, we don't think investors will focus particularly on the Q4 numbers themselves, but rather on the guidance for 2023, in particular, how corporates are planning to tackle the expected decline in margins. If you look at the gap between earnings and sales growth, this is expected to widen further and stands now at plus 8.5%, meaning that consensus expects positive sales growth of 4%, but this doesn't necessarily translate into positive growth in the bottom line. So this indicates that the effects of operating leverage has turned negative. And as you know, operating leverage was one of the key drivers for the expansion in margins and therefore earnings that we witnessed since the outbreak of the pandemic. However, this is really a double-edged sword, meaning that it works in both ways. And now with the rate of change in costs exceeding the rate of change in revenue, corporates find it increasingly difficult to protect their margins. We have uh, seen that already starting to play out for the big tech companies in the US during the Q4 earnings season, which struggled with high costs while the top line was decelerating. So the bottom line here is that we think investors will focus on the guidance of companies rather than the Q4 results during this earnings season, and in particular, how corporates are planning to protect their margins. So with that in mind, we think for 2023, investors should focus on companies with high operational efficiency in terms of reducing costs and increasing free cash flow, which should do well relative to the markets. That's all from my side. Back to you, Chanti. Great. Thanks very much for sharing your insights with us, Mathieu. Also with us this morning, we have our head of next generation research, Carsten Menke, with an update on copper. So Carsten, what's happening in the copper market? I see prices are back up above uh, $9,000 a ton this morning. Yes, indeed, uh, John D. Thanks very much for having me. Um, it looks like the copper market has started in the year with a bang. Helped by the removal of China's COVID-19 restrictions and the related hopes of an economic recovery, prices are back above US dollar 9000 per ton, as you said. While mobility indicators such as subway traffic indeed are showing significant improvements, we do not believe this will necessarily translate into much higher copper consumption. First and foremost, this is due to the fact that China's factories were kept open almost all of the time with output of copper-containing products such as cars, air conditioners or other household goods up more than 5% over the course of 2022. Amid slowing sales due to the lockdowns, this has led to an increase in inventories, which could be run down during the next few months as Chinese consumers return to the stores. Specifically for the important property market, which makes up well, around a quarter 
of Chinese copper demand, we do not expect a strong recovery either, as the focus of the introduced measures is much more on stabilizing the struggling property developers rather than stimulating the property construction itself. All in all, we thus believe that the recovery in the market mood, which we've witnessed during the past few weeks, will not be followed by a recovery in demand to the same degree. Meanwhile, there seems to be also progress on the payment dispute around a major mine in Panama. The mine's operator said that it is close to a deal with the government, which is looking to secure tax and profit-based royalty payments. Beyond this dispute, we expect 2023 to become a second consecutive year of above-average mine supply growth, as projects and expansions, which have been postponed during the pandemic, make it to the market. Well, to be honest, Carson, this doesn't really sound like investors should be chasing the recent rally. No, no, they shouldn't. Well, taken together with the rather muted outlook for demand growth, not just in China, but globally, we see a sufficiently supplied copper market this year and believe the recent rally has gone too fast, too far. We thus recommend not to chase the rally, as we are convinced that better entry opportunities will arise over the course of this year to benefit from copper's very compelling structural outlook. Okay, perhaps you can uh, briefly remind us, Carsten, what's behind this structurally positive outlook. Uh, you've spoken before about the energy transition, right? Yes, that's true. So the energy transition is set to become the single most important driver of copper demand during the next few decades, especially the increasing market share of electric vehicles. At the same time, we project a slowdown in mine supply growth from the middle of this decade due to previous underinvestment, which should push the copper market into a structural deficit from 2025 onwards, despite slowing Chinese demand. So this is really a multi-year story that will not play out over the course of this year. Hence, there is no need to chase the current rally. That's it from my side and back to you, Jonti. Great. Thanks very much for sharing your thoughts with us, Carsten. And lastly, I'm pleased to welcome Nicola Jordan from our CIO strategy and investment analysis team, who will give us an update from the first investment committee meeting of the year. What do you have for us, Nicola? Thank you, Jonti, and good morning, everyone. Well, as you can imagine, there was a lot to discuss in the first IC of the year, but I would like to focus on three key messages that were concluded. First of all, inflation is easing drastically. If we look at annualized US inflation over the last three months, we see that it has already decelerated to 2%, so back to desired levels by the Fed. Even if today's CPI numbers were to surprise to the upside, it is clear that supply chain disruptions are significantly easing, bringing prices further down in general. This means that after all, the transitory inflation camp was not entirely off the mark. It just took longer than anticipated to reduce the pandemic-induced bottlenecks. Nevertheless, and that's my second point, the Fed will not let financial conditions ease prematurely. We think that any attempt by the S&P 500 to rally will be met with hawkish central bank rhetoric. However, the US tightening cycle is priced in both in bond and equity markets by now. The market bottoming process is well underway and we expect the recovery to extend into 2023. But definitely not in a straight line, but in a very volatile manner. Lastly, and as Mathieu mentioned already, earnings expectations set the bar pretty low for this year, as they have been continuously revised downwards in recent months. Additionally, corporate managements are generally cautious about the economic situation 
and are holding back on investments, which protects their returns on the existing capital base. All in all, these developments lead us to believe that the room for negative surprises in the first quarter of this year is relatively small, at least as far as economic indicators go. Of course, there are several wild cards on the political side, be it in China, Ukraine or the US. But we stick to our more positive than consensus view and refrain from a bearish positioning. That's all from my side. Back to you, John T. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Nicola. And that's all we have time for today. Many thanks for tuning in and please do join us again tomorrow when we'll have Tim Gagey on the show with an update on currencies. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Wealth Insights is a podcast series where Julius Bear experts discuss topics from a wealth management perspective. Whether it's starting a business, preparing for retirement, or transferring wealth to the next generation, our experts provide answers to the relevant questions. Available now on all good platforms, search for Wealth Insights on your favourite podcast player.